You are listening to the IFH Podcast Network. For more amazing filmmaking and screenwriting podcasts, just go to ifhpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, episode number 647. I guess people used to think Deep Throat was a criminal, but now they think he's a hero. W. Mark Felt, the real Deep Throat. Broadcasting from the back alley in Hollywood, it's the Indie Film Hustle Podcast, where we show you how to survive and thrive as an indie filmmaker in the jungles of the film biz. And here's your host, Alex Ferrari. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Indie Film Hustle Podcast. I am your humble host, Alex Ferrari. Have you ever wanted to learn from a Hollywood blockbuster screenwriter or even an Oscar winner? Well, I wanted to put together a free three-day screenwriting video series taught by legendary screenwriters, David Goyer, from who wrote The Dark Knight, Nia Valdouras, who wrote The Big Fat Greek Wedding, Oscar-winning Callie Corey, who wrote Thelma Louise, and Oscar winner Paul Haggis, who wrote Casino Royale. If you want access to this free class, head over to bulletproofscreenwriting.tv forward slash free. Today's show is also sponsored by Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, how to turn your independent film into a profitable business. It's harder today than ever before for independent filmmakers to make money with their films, from predatory film distributors ripping them off to huckster film aggregators who prey upon them. The odds are stacked against the indie filmmaker. The old distribution model of making money with your film is broken and there needs to be a change. The future of independent filmmaking is the entrepreneurial filmmaker or the film entrepreneur. In Rise of the Film Entrepreneur, I break down how to actually make money with your film projects and show you how to turn your indie film into a profitable business. With case studies examining successes and failures, this book shows you the step-by-step method to turn your passion into a profitable career. If you're making a feature film, series, or any other kind of video content, the Film Entrepreneur method will set you up for success. The book is available in paperback, ebook, and of course, audiobook. If you want to order it, just head over to www.filmbizbook.com. That's filmbizbook.com. Now, I've been wanting to do a show like this for a long time, and I finally have found a brave soul to do it. I always wanted to know what was the inside scoop, the behind the scenes kind of politics that go on at studios with script readers and development executives and what are the politics what are the reasons why scripts go through and they don't go through what are some tips for screenwriters to get those screenplays through those first gatekeeping script readers and I got that guy today we will refer to him as Deep Throat now I know calling him Deep Throat is a bit on the nose but You know, in order for him to be completely honest, completely truthful, and share with us all the dark kind of secrets behind the scenes, he wanted to remain anonymous. And both of us agreed that that would be the best way to get this information out into the world. Now, Deep Throat is a working screenwriter. He has worked in major studios on television and in feature films. He is a sought-after script doctor who has worked on some big studio releases, tentpole stuff that you might know, and he happens to be one of my amazing script coverage specialists working at Bulletproof Script Coverage. Now, the information you're about to hear is very unique. I have not heard a lot of the stuff that we talked about in this interview. He was completely honest 
fully transparent, fully truthful about his experience behind the scenes working in Hollywood. And it is an eye-opening interview, to say the least. So without any further ado, please enjoy my revealing conversation with Deep Throat. I'd like to welcome you to a very special episode of the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast today, because today we have an unknown script writer, a script reader by the name of Deep Throat. I wanted to bring in Deep Throat to give him complete anonymity to say whatever he wants. Did I say that right? Something like that. Something like that. English is my second language. Um, So um, I wanted to have someone to come on and be free to talk about everything that goes on behind the scenes in regards to script coverage, script reading, working with the studios, development, all that kind of stuff. And Deep Throat is definitely that guy. So welcome to the show, Deep Throat. Thank you. Uh, it's awesome to be here. The, the freedom that I have right now is dangerous <laughs> and exciting. I love it. It's, <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it yes. is great. Uh, it is great. I, I am very excited to give you all the dirt um, on anything that you'd like. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. So, um, all right. First of all, uh, how did you, and again, all these questions you have, We'll have to watch ourselves, but how did you get started in the business as much as you can say? So people can find out a little bit about your background. Okay, cool. Uh, so I, back in the day, once upon a time. No, <laughs> back uh, in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so I went to college for creative writing, loved it. While I was there, I wrote a script uh, that ended up winning. A, actually, I wrote two scripts that placed first and second in a writing competition. Mm-hmm. Um I ended up selling those two scripts to a no-name producer, husband and wife couple in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have a manager, didn't have an agent, didn't understand what WGA minimum basics were at all. So they basically wrote me a check and said goodbye. And I said, thank you very much. And instead of going to law school, I packed my car full of my crap, put my dog in the front seat and drove to Los Angeles, uh, where I used that money to get an apartment and eat for like four months because it wasn't a whole lot of money and LA is expensive. And um, I managed then to uh, intern at as many places as I could using my free time, uh, talent agencies, production companies, um, you name it. That was before they you had to like claim school credit. So like people were looking for free work wherever you, they could take it. So I got my foot in the door at a lot of these places, mostly mom and pop shops, but also like big agencies as well. So I was on the front lines of like, and they all knew that I was creative writing and they all like, I'd read a script and I'd give them feedback on it, whether it was for an actor or for a producer or for a director or whatever, whatever. Uh, I was able to give them notes and they were like, this kid actually knows what he's talking about. So let's give him more work. And eventually that led to me going into development. And eventually that led to me producing, getting my own work out there in some capacity. Um, and then, you know, reading for production companies and studios, um, giving them notes on their scripts, doing rewrites, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're at now. And I, I also got involved with um, you know, a couple of coverage services. Uh, can I say those names? I, okay? I would say no. Let's hold okay. those off. Let's keep the names okay. off. But you are working with other coverage. You work, in, you work yes. with coverage services. Yes. And the goal there is to discover talent. You know what I mean? Like I have some pretty solid relationships in town now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I see these writers coming in who don't, who, you know, live in, for example, purposes, Anchorage, Alaska, and they've got 
no idea what the film business is like, but they've got some writing talent. We hone that a little bit. You know, I've got one client I've worked with for a year and a half Mm -hmm. and she's, you know, last year she was a semifinalist in the Nichols competition. You know what I mean? And she didn't have any writing experience. Her first draft looked like a transcript of a, of a, of a show. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know how you can download those transcripts? Like that's what she was going off of. And that's what she thought it was supposed to look like. And then, you know, a year and a half later, She's now, you know, in the process of being repped and she's she's talking to producers about her script and it's it's wonderful to see. So and you also worked the development a bit. Yes. Yes, I did. I, What's that process like? So I worked in. That's a great question. So I worked at several different levels, right? Intern, assistant, development, coordinator, et cetera. Um, and I, I actually at one point started my own production company with a couple buddies and we were, I was an active CE of that company. So, and we acquired a couple of scripts and it was good. And then we all had creative differences as, as you know, can be expected. And we no, went different ways. No way. Yeah, I know, right? It's very difficult to hear that. Everyone <laughs> works so well together here in Hollywood. Everybody does. Everybody <laughs> wants to be so friendly and just, we just want to get stuff made, you know? It's I nothing mean, to do with ego. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, and money has nothing to do with it either. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, so the process was when I was an intern, it was like, here's some scripts from writers that we already represent or movies that we've already purchased. Like, here's, get, let me give you, why don't you write up some coverage on me in this latest draft and uh, we'll see where that goes. So that would be basically what it was, right? So I'd write coverages for scripts that they had already acquired, that they were currently developing, meaning like they were taking it, they, they wanted to make this movie. They had either a pitch that went well, or they had an internal idea that they then went and hired a writer for, and this writer's now writing the script. And it's like, there are various stages, you know, you get X amount of drafts. And then the ideal thing is you make the movie, right? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Right. So, so from an intern standpoint, it was like, okay, I don't know what the purpose of this is, but sure, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. I'll give you notes. And then eventually I found out that the purpose was like, it, they were testing me, right? Like, mm-hmm. do your notes match up with my notes? Do we think alike? You know, do you have an understanding of what structure and character development and pacing and dialogue? Like, do you understand the concepts of what actual screenwriting is and what actual development work entails? And finally, when I had written enough coverages, they hired me as a development assistant, in which case I was paired with a specific producer who found my notes especially useful. And then that went from here's project that we've already acquired to projects that we potentially could acquire, or here's a book that we're thinking of, that's going to be released in two months. Like read the book. Is there a movie there? If so, what kind of movie, what do you think you pitch it so that then we can pitch it to a writer as an open assignment, right? <laughs> so that happened a couple of times. Um, and then when it, we, when I started working as a development coordinator, it's like, okay, now we have a list of, of projects and development. And it's like, this one's furthest along. So now we're acquiring talent or we're looking for a director or this script's out for investment opportunity, blah, blah, blah. So there's, when you get to the coordinator, it's sort of more of like project management status, right? You're, you're giving notes on projects, sure, but it's more of like, let's keep things on track for where they're supposed to be at X amount of time, right? Because mm-hmm. um, as we know, time is money and every time we do a draft, that costs money, we got to take time to rep the project, et cetera. So then when you get to the CE level, it's now it's about what do we want to be as a company? Do we want to specialize in sub 1.2 million? Do we want to go the low budget route? Do we want to go medium budget route where we co-produce 
you know, which would look, you know, two to 12 million, depending on who we co-produce it with. And then past that, it's like, do we want to be somebody who gets a first look deal with the studio? We're making studio quality movies, whether that be indie or, you know, the suicide squads of the world, you know? Yes. Good, good example. <laughs> so, so that's, that's sort of the spectrum of the development ladder. And I'm sure that there are people out there with different experiences. That's just speaking from my own. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that I want to tell other people who are aspiring to be developers or readers or whatever, there it's done several different ways at several different companies. That's why there are different companies. You know what I mean? That's why there are different companies that make better movies than others. Or there's why some people specialize in making B hop horror movies as opposed to the Black Panthers of the world. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. two different styles of readers. That's two different styles of writing and that's two different styles of development. So each one, I, I will say to that though, that I've sat down at multiple companies as an intern. Like I said, when I first got out there, I did everything I possibly could, right? There were a number of, of <laughs> and I'm, I'm not promoting this book by any means, mm -hmm. but there were a number of companies that basically slapped down the book, Save the Cat, and they were like, go read this and then we can talk. And it's like, okay, um, <laughs> so I need to read it again. But like, that's why I feel like a lot of these movies nowadays are so formulaic, right? But they, it's paint by numbers almost, you know? It, that doesn't mean that it's easy. And that people do it well, mm -hmm. but there is, I mean, you can watch pretty much any movie and the inciting incident is going to happen between 10 and 15 minutes. And the first act break is going to happen between 25 and 30 minutes of the movie. It's just, that's how movies are made. Audiences have been conditioned to view like that. So you kind of have to write and develop a movie that speaks to that, you know, at that, but at those huge studio levels, absolutely. Of course. And yes. Even when yeah. you're in the indie world, even those, even some of the most successful indies follow it in yeah. one way, shape or form. Yeah. As and and, and too, like the indie market, like that's where the art is made. You know what I mean? Like, let's, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. Like, like, yes, we, we see a lot of these huge budget budget movies that are that are really well done and and really great movies and they gross a lot of money. But a lot of it has to do with spectacle and a lot of it. And, you know, story often and art often become secondary to revenue and profit and and. Uh, you know, other things that, you know, that temple movies are sort of built on, you know what I mean? So when you, so when you were doing the, in, when you were in development, um, mm -hmm. can you tell me a story that you were just like, I can't believe I am witnessing this <laughs> <laughs> as, 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 as much as you can give away without actually giving everything away, you can be a okay, little bit broad so about it. It's a really good cautionary tale because it, I'm still sore about it. And uh, <laughs> I can tell I can hear it in your voice. Me. So this is this is going to be funny. And I have another one, too. So go for it. So I'll start with the one that's not about me. How about that? So Fair I read enough. this book, right? I read this book. I was a development assistant. I was like I was in the office every day at like 730. My boss didn't show up till 1030. And I was sitting there reading when he got there. <laughs> Even calling it a he. I hope that doesn't like reveal me. And, you know. Sure. But anyway, so I read this book and I, he always told me he was like, if you see something that we could acquire, like, make sure you tell me about it. Like, make sure you bring it to my attention. I'm like, okay, sweet. Like, for sure. So I'm about 30 pages into this 900 page book. <laughs> and I'm like, I, want, I run into his office and I'm like, dude, we there's, there's so much here. Like, it's, it's Harry Potter, isn't it? Just tell me if it's Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter. I discovered Harry Potter. No. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we, he was like, oh, great. Like, I uh, finish it and write up the coverage. And I'm like, no, you should probably start reading this now. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 cool. And I was like, dude, you told me if there's something on the line not to wait. And he was like, okay, you know, all right, well, I'll see what you got. So I spent 
hours and hours. I read this book. I didn't sleep for three days getting through this book. I wrote up uh, 11 pages of coverage, which obviously young, obnoxious, too long, did not read type of shit. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I send it to him and I'm like, boom, it was like two days later, three days later, maybe. And I'm like, all right, I sent it to you. Like, and he's like, okay, good, cool. I'll, I'll read it over the weekend. So a week goes by. Don't hear a damn thing. Another week goes by. What happens that following Friday, mm -hmm. the book was optioned for $1.7 million by Warner Brothers. And oh. it was currently be, uh, being adapted by a writer who had just come off an Oscar win. And I'm like, I told you. I was like, I told And all the dude wrote me back was <laughs> good instincts, period. That's it. That's all the acknowledgement I got. <laughs> oh, good and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, so all these guys, all these production companies are out there looking for like the next great piece of material. But it's also worth understanding too, from a writer standpoint, like they're just inundated. You know what I mean? Like he, like he had scripts that were towering, you know, seven, eight stacks that were taller than I was that he had yet to read, you know? Yeah. And it's just like good projects slip through the cracks. Taste is often an issue. Art is subjective. So it's like, if you get... 1500 no's all you need is one yes you know what i mean like you could be that diamond in the rough it's just a matter of somebody seeing it you know what i mean and it was just disappointing that that could have been like hey this guy found this great project and you know we're gonna make a whole bunch of money off of it and good for him now let's promote him now let's give him a producer credit and blah 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 that never happened I, i'm curious to know what my path would have been like had he been like oh yeah i'm gonna read that tomorrow reads it and is like oh dang like this kid, he's right. You know what I mean? Like, let's go buy this. Let's go. And they didn't have a $1.7 million, but Hey, if they would have gotten it and presumably had, you know, it's not like that deal happened overnight. You know what I mean? And sure. in hindsight, it's like that deal was probably being negotiated well before I was even given the book. So you have to take that into account too, but it's just a matter of like things. It's like sit around and wait and then sprint and then sit around and wait and then sprint. And that's kind of like the business, you know mm -hmm, what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and it's very much a, a hurry up and wait kind of, kind of deal. So, you know, I would say to a lot of these young writers, like be patient, you know what I mean? Because when it happens, it's going to happen really freaking fast. You and, know? What was, and what's the second story? It, so the second story is different company, mm -hmm. <laughs> different company, bigger company. It was a manager slash production company, right? So I was, they repped writers, they repped actors, they did a lot of packaging in house, they got a lot of movies made, and they repped some pretty awesome people. So I felt blessed to work there, right? And they had this really cool thing where they would bring us all in, we'd get to talk to the executives for lunch, and like they, they really made it so that like we met people, you know what I mean? So we mm -hmm. got to know the people that we were working with and working for, which is really cool. One of them happened to be a manager that I really liked, and we bonded over fantasy football. Obviously, Actually. obviously. Um, and my script that I wrote, it was a it was a pilot. Uh, it was uh, I was like, hey, this is it's a sports related drama. He likes sports. So I was like, hey, let me would you be interested in reading this? And he was like, hell yeah, I'll read it. Blah, blah, blah. And he actually did, which was awesome. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, after he read it, he came back the next week and he was like, hey, man, I'm going to need you to sign uh, the submission, like our submission agreement because it's technically unsolicited material and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. Like, what's the worst it can do? I mean, I work here, right? Blah, whatever. So then I sign it and I don't think anything of it. And then oh, I can see where this is going. Yeah, it, it's a heartbreaker, dude. And let's just say my script ended up being the companies that they then shifted so that there wasn't any legal issues mm -hmm. to a different sport and a different, it was a one hour drama. 
and they put it into not a one-hour drama. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Uh, and uh, let's just say it's it's a it's it 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 made it. <laughs> um, oh, and it was your story. It was my story. So so okay. So there's there's a lot of look. There's a lot of uh, people out there that always are concerned, especially young writers, about they're going to steal my idea. They're yeah. going to steal my story. And then yep. I've always heard that like, look, professionals don't worry about these kind of things because you'll get sued. But yep. you that's a perfect example of them taking it, twisting it a bit, and yep. all of a sudden they've got it. So, so in your opinion, is thievery a major issue? In- no, I, I think it was one guy who I trusted when I maybe shouldn't have. I'll say this too. He no longer works there. Mm-hmm. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that's not the first sleazy thing that he's done. So it's a person by person basis, right? right. Uh, are you a good judge of talent? Are you a good judge of character? Those are the two things that really come up in this business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So because there's a lot of sleazy people out there, yes. But I would say that it's a one in a thousand chance that somebody's going to steal your project. So I would say in the big scheme of things, register it. If you if you want to spend the extra money, get the copyright from the library, Congress. It's 35 bucks, yeah. But, but you know what? Don't worry about it as much as – like I'm the exception, not the rule. You know right. what I mean? So while I do have some horror stories, right? It also gave me the fact that like it, it was a learning, it was, you know, it was um, my script wouldn't have gotten made. You know what I mean? Like, I'll say that right now. They turned it into what it needed to be. I just wish they would have done it with me <laughs> as opposed to not, which is which is, again, I, I had written the script largely on company computers with company resources. It was theirs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because of those laws. And it's just like having an understanding of what intellectual property law is, is different than writing a spec script in your basement and sending it out to people. Like it's completely different. You know what I mean? Like right. don't worry about submitting your script to contests that somebody's going to rip you off. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? And if so, you have, you have your receipt, you have the person probably who read it. If it becomes that at least the company does, mm-hmm. I would just say that it's, it's again, I'm the exception, not the rule. And while that is a terrible story, it's, it's rare if ever happens, you know, and it's just my luck that it happened to me. So, right. um, and that's where I would end it. You know what I mean? Well, but, so. but I also heard the mythical story of how when Tim Burton was working at Disney, he drew Jack Skeleton and a bunch of the characters from Nightmare Before Christmas and threw them away in the trash can. Someone picked it up and said, these are great. And these are great. And he put them away. And from that point on, it was owned by Disney because he signed the contract that said anything they create while they're on company time is theirs. And the same thing works. At, so uh, where I work now, it's the same situation, right? Mm-hmm. So and, and I don't know. Should I even say what I do now? No, I mean, I no, 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 no. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. So, <laughs> so the, it's the same way, right? So if I develop something on, like, I'm even scared because of that process mm-hmm. to like bring my personal computer in and use the Wi-Fi. You know what I mean? Because they could, even though I'm doing it on my computer, I may not even be working at that time, mm-hmm. but I'm still using technically their resources because they're the ones paying for the life. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't even think it's that crazy. Even, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you're going to be working at a company, like a production company, and you're going to be one of these low level employees with thoughts of like, I'm going to get my work out there. Just be cautious. Just understand the game. You know what I mean? Don't do it on your company computer, which at this point sounds like common sense, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't five, seven years ago, you know? Um, right. 
So I, I wasn't even thinking that that would be a thing, but it, it was a learning process. And I've since sold other things and I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm, my dreams were shattered. <laughs> it's right. not like my, my swan song that I was getting out there. It's like, well, you know. one thing I, I find fascinating about your story in general is that you're, you're a script. You, you also do obviously script writing or script reading and script coverage, which we're mm -hmm. going to get into, but you're also a, a successful screenwriter. You've actually sold material. You've developed material. You're not just a script, a script reader or right. a, a script uh, or a script, someone who does script coverage, which I think is an assumption that a lot of people, uh, especially screenwriters, young screenwriters think that the script coverage guys are all, you know, 18. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and there is some truth to that. Obviously. There is, there is. So again, I'm the exception to the rule, right? So I, I'm actually, I've actually been in talks with, you know, actually we'll talk about that when we'll talk about that when you and I are off the <laughs> Sure. Uh, but you know, so there are sites out there, you know what I mean? That do have working writers, but to be perfectly honest with you, you don't want to get the coverage notes that you're going to get from a working writer necessarily all the time because those aren't the people that are going to be reading your material at the production companies. You know what I mean? The first line of defense at any production company is the interns, is the development assistants. So if you're writing for the people who are actual writers, you're going to get a vastly different perspective on what the material should be versus what the 18 to 24 year old fresh out of college doesn't have a effing clue about what a good writing is and is just hoping to maybe become a producer at the, or a low level employee at this company that they're working for those are the people that are reading your scripts you know what i mean so let's, let's go real, so, so let's go real quick let's back it up for a second let's go through the process of getting coverage like can you explain to right. the audience what the process is completely from soup to nuts so they can get a better idea yeah. So are, are we talking from like a coverage site or are we talking coverage from a development company? I'm going to go development company because, I mean, when you go to a coverage site like like, you know, my coverage site uh, or something like that, you're you're working with readers um, mm -hmm. and they're just you're getting notes uh, from your, you know, and, and trying to help the, the writer move forward with their process mm -hmm. in one way, shape or form. Is that accurate? Yeah. OK. Yeah. But now when you're sending it to a development company, production company, I would rather get that workflow involved because I think sure. that's a little bit more behind the, the curtains. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, yeah, I agree with you. So the, the big hurdle that you have to get over is right, is getting it there in the first place, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of these companies, it's not like you can call them up and be like, Hey, I, I have this script. Do you want to read it? Cause they're not even going to answer <laughs> your call. You know what I mean? You got to get, get past the gatekeeper. Right. If you send them to like the info at productioncompany.com email address, it's going to go straight to the trash. You're going to get a note that says, Hey, we don't accept unsolicited material. By the way, please sign this. Your, your script is not going to be read. You're blah, blah, blah. You ended up in the trash. So get it. So how do you, the question should be first, how do you get there? Right. Mm -hmm. And you get there by having a friend who possibly works there. You know what I mean? Which means, you know, there's a lot of writers out there who are like, oh, I don't have to live in L.A. If you're an aspiring writer, chances are you do have to go out there at some point. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to do your time. You have to do you, your time. Yeah. Everybody has to. You know what I mean? Go live. Go get coffee. Go grind it out. That's why I interned. You know what I mean? Because I got to know these people who could then get my script into places without me needing representation. Now, the other side of that is if you have a manager or you have – uh, an agent that can say, pick up the phone and be like, Hey, Steven Spielberg, do you want to read the script? Oh yeah. Thanks, John. Blah. And then you <laughs> get it. In, right? right. So there's that side of the coin too. For people who are looking to get, you know, 
to break into the industry, that one's more rare than the other side of the coin, right? Mm-hmm. So my to pull the curtain back a little bit, you have to understand the level of fear that these development oh. interns, development assistants have. Well, just generally because, the business in general is fearful. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, 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 and yes, absolutely. And I think the higher you get up, the higher the stakes are. But mm-hmm. those people are already making, presumably, a decent amount of money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's the people who are making $450 a week who are there from 7 o'clock till 10 o'clock at night reading scripts who are want to put their neck out there because they want to get noticed and appreciated and and promoted, et cetera. They want to get to that next level. But it's like you get just like you would get one chance to submit your script and impress a producer. It's the same with being an intern or an assistant. If you bring them garbage, they're going to think of you as a person who enjoys garbage. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So the level of fear at these places, and this is why you get 1500 no's is because you have to have, you have to find the person who's got the stones or, you know, the, the guts. I cojones, say. cojones. Right. <laughs> to, to be like, Hey boss person, I think I found a really good script and I think you should read it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, cause they got one shot. So as much as the writer has the one shot, the script reader has the one shot. Exactly. And you, that I think as, I think as writers, we forget that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially aspiring writers, because it's not just your career that's in jeopardy here. It's it. You start at the entry level. You your entry level script goes to the entry level person. Now, do you think uh, Jonathan Nolan's scripts go to the entry level person? You got to be out of your damn mind. All he has to do is pick up the phone and say, "Hey, it's Jonathan Nolan." <laughs> yeah, it's Jonathan. You want to read my script? And it's like, oh, uh, 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 we'll buy it. You know, like page one title. Okay, great. It's got a title page. Let's, this is probably gold. Let's buy it. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, so that's a completely different scenario. But the people who aren't on uh, the people who aren't the Jonathan Nolans of the world and the people who maybe are like second and third tier Jonathan Nolans even. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. They go straight to the development assistants first, you know, and I think that that is something to understand is a level of fear and hesitation there. So they're always looking to find what's wrong with your script. They're looking. I worked for a boss once who told me to read a script till it's third mistake and then throw it in the trash. So that, that could have been grammar. That could have been spelling. That could have been formatting, which is a big one. Cause if you don't know how to format a script, you don't know, you don't understand what a script is. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like, read, read the script of the third mistake. And if it's in the first 10 pages, throw it away. You know what I mean? If you get past 30 and then you get it and it's like, you're already invested in the story at that point, you might as well just finish it, you know? Mm-hmm. But if they make three mistakes in the first three pages of the first 10 pages, like it, people always say like, it's your first 10 pages that sell. You know what I mean? If nobody's going to watch, if you're not hooked in the first 10 pages of a book or of a, of a play or of a film or of a script, like it's dying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The same goes for us aspiring screenwriters. So it's like, you have to be sure that, that at least your first 30 pages are absolutely flawless. You know what I mean? And I'm not just talking story. I'm talking formatting, spelling. Talk a, yeah, talk a little bit about that because that is something that is unknown to – because I've read so many scripts that I'm like, dude, spell check, man. Right? Like, Just I can't, format. I mean, it's final draft. You can format this. This is not difficult anymore, guys. You know, you know what it is? Honestly, it's a pride in one's work. Yeah. And if – if you're asking somebody to take an hour to 
three hours out of their day to read your script, you better give them something that looks like you put a lot of effort into it. You know what I mean? Right. Because if you're trying to get somebody to buy your stuff, but you have you can't spell the name of your main character right four or five times, why should we? You obviously didn't care. Why should we? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that goes missed on people. So it's like as a, as when you pull back the curtain, those are the things that first stand out, right? The first thing that anybody's going to do when they read your script as a development assistant is flip to the back page and see how long it is. Yep. Yep. (laughs) They're going to say, this is going to take me. So if you're submitting a 130 page script, they're going to put that on the bottom of the pile and go to the 90 page script because in their eyes, it's like, oh, I can go tell my boss that I read four scripts today. So I'm going to do the short ones first and save the long one for the weekend. You know what I mean? So again, something to acknowledge, right? Like, now, uh, but also, I also heard that sometimes you can lie and change the, the number count inside. So if you're like at 101, you could put, you could just omit numbers in the middle of the script to make it look like it's a 90 page script when it's actually really, uh, I've never heard of that. You've that's never heard. I've seen that. Crazy. happen. I've actually, that is, that's hilarious. Isn't that genius? Probably, I've probably read scripts where I was just flying through it so fast that I didn't realize that there was that, four page four. No, they just skip a page and you just forget about it and all, but that way it, it I'm, I'm not suggesting anyone does that, but I've heard of it. So I didn't know if you yeah. ever, come, it, apparently it worked because you've never seen one. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is an interesting thing, but also it's like, I, I, it's pretty easy to tell when you've got a 90 page script sitting next to a 130 page script. <laughs> well, that, you know, there's, yeah, you, there's only a handful of pages you could cut off with that technique. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the, yeah. Five, so six I, pages. I sh- like 101 to 109 is going to break you. you know yeah, I mean? so if, you're, if you're really hiding pages at that point, like, yikes, like, I think you've got bigger problems. You, you, you know, know, you're absolutely right. If, you, if you're exactly, if you can't shave eight pages off or 10 pages off your yeah, script, you, you've got you're too close, <laughs> you know, you're, and that's the thing. So my manager and my agents are very good about allowing me, especially in my early drafts to write what I want to write. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, when we're about to go to market, they're very good about being like, listen, you're at 117 right now, which is fine. But like, Go through the script again, take a couple of days off, get drunk, you know, maybe smoke a joint, <laughs> like do, do whatever it is that you need to do to get out of the writer mind frame and get into the reader mind frame and think to yourself, like, this is your final draft. Sure. But what absolutely doesn't have to be there? And undoubtedly, I end up cutting four or five scenes, which brings it from a 117 to a 108 or a 104. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's so it ends up being like. No, yes, I love this scene. Who is it? Ernest Hemingway that says like, go back through, delete all your good lines, see if the story still works or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it's so true. You know what I mean? Because we as writers, we like get attached to the certain things that as writers we love, but as like readers, it's like, okay, this is just more for them to get through, to get to the next point. You know what I mean? And I hate to say that because that's where a lot of the art comes in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, no, is it, is it, I thought it was Hemingway or Mamet that said, Writing is easy. All you have to do is sit at the typewriter and bleed. That's yeah. That was a Hemingway quote. That's Hemingway. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it's so true. You know what I mean? And it, you, it's you even bleed even more because he's also saying writing after all is rewriting. You know yep. what I mean? So he's he's a big proponent of like sure bleed, but then go back and cut yourself open a few more times. <laughs> paper so you paper cuts. Gushing. And when if, when you don't die, that's that's the script of the story that you've got. You know what it I mean? It is. It is. It's quite brutal sometimes. <laughs> So, I mean, you have to be really diligent because those are the types of things that as development assistants, if you go through and they, 
they see that you've got like eight scenes that don't necessarily, like if you've got a savvy reader, Mm -hmm. you know, you're lucky, but you're also in a spot where it's like, you better be on. Yeah. You, you, your script better be on because this guy's going to be, or this girl's going to be, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, she's got a great perspective of what a good script is. So you're better, you better fit the mold. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and realize too, that like when you pull back the curtain, I, this is, I think I speak for every development or reader person, regardless of you're in, you know, a major studio or a small production company, you're looking for reasons to say no. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like from, from, from the title page to the end of the script, you're looking for reasons to say no and protect your little area of comfortability that you've built at your internship or your development assistant job. Or your or job, whatever. yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're looking for reasons to say no, because no doesn't put you at risk. You know, a yes is immediately when you like roll the dice at the craps table. You know what I mean? So I think from, and dude, I, I got to tell you, I read some fantastic scripts as well that like didn't fit in line with what our production company's mandate was at that time. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So even though we had, we maybe had won an Oscar for a drama movie, we were focusing on low budget comedies. So while I've got this great script that I would love to recommend, because yeah, when you look at our our um, our IMDb page of scripts that we've done, it's like, yeah, that would definitely fit into the mold, but not our current mandate. You know what right. I mean? So like understanding what a production company's current mandate is and understanding that that's fluid and changing. Whereas like, you know, most production companies, if you're horror, you're horror. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like, you're Bloomhouse, you're Bloomhouse. You could right. sort of have a mandate. It's like we're looking for female-led horrors or we're looking for, you know, paranormal type of stuff or, you know, uh, Purge just did really great. Can we find our own Purge? You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. they think like that. You know what I mean? Of like they're they trend followers. Writers like to think of themselves as trendsetters. Where do you find the balance of fitting into what these production companies are trying to do moving forward into the future. And the truth is, is that a lot of them don't have a clue what they want. Well, you know is, I mean? do, do you agree right now, how many production companies around town are looking for the next crazy rich agent Asians? Oh, I think, I think every, you're going <laughs> to everyone, right? So, every, everyone, yeah, everyone right now is looking every, for that script. But three years ago or whenever, when that was going out to market, nope. dude, uh, nobody would have crickets. said yes to that. Crickets. You know what I mean? And it's the same way with stranger things. I don't know. And this oh. story, wrong i i i've only heard it secondhand but they got like rejected, rejected by everybody every network everybody. in town everybody right? Netflix, yep. they're like we don't understand the tone we don't understand the tone like why are these kids like swearing and stuff like that like i we just don't is this adult adult hey. show is kid show it's fantasy it's could, reality could like, not is, deal with it they just couldn't deal with it yeah they couldn't wrap their heads around it and now guess what they're doing everybody wants their own stranger things you of know course. what i mean of course so like if you think if, if these companies like if you live in LA and you meet a producer at a bar and you're getting drunk next to the pool or something like that and he's like oh yeah you know we're looking for female led crime thrillers that are four quadrant and you're like yes okay I've got one of those <laughs> you know what I mean yes like, like say yes obviously you know what I mean right <laughs> you have it, even if it doesn't fit all those bills because they're not they don't know what they want they know what they think they want. And you have to convince them that what they think they want is actually what you have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, isn't it? Is, but again, is, that's just, you, there's just so many hurdles that you have to get through, you know? And, but, there, but there are those few, those are those few producers and companies who are ahead of the curve. And I think 99% of the rest of the town is chasing the curve. Chasing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 100%. Yeah. 
Because those are because the, the, the ones the first ones through the wall are always bloodied. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And 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 I think too that like it's 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 a great observation to make because those are also the companies who may not be around in five years. You know what I mean? Correct. Because because they were willing to take chances. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before, which is like, why do we why are we risking our comfortable ball here? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. To potentially be out of business in five years because we went and bought three scripts that we're not going to be able to get cast or financed or packaged or in front of screen, you know, in front of viewers. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. Everybody wants to call themselves a producer. You know what I mean? Oh, everyone's a producer. And everyone. Yeah. And it's just like, I, you know, it, it comes back to what my first story, which is, are you a good judge of character? Are you a good judge of talent? Mm-hmm. Pair yourself up with the people that you trust, that you work with, that you know. And before you start slinging your script around to like everybody and their mother trying to get it in front of as many people, it's not about getting It's not about a numbers game. It's about the right people, because if you mm-hmm. get it in front of the right people, like I've got a buddy that works. He's a very successful agent and he works at a very successful company. He he came out a couple years after I did. I knew him through a friend. We've since become great friends, even though he read some of my he he actually read that that script that I was talking about. He was one of the guys that read it and he was like, dude, this is a fucking great script. Like, I want you to change this, that and the other. And then all that shit went down and it was like, dude, don't worry about it. Work on your next one. And he was very good about like keeping – he wasn't even my agent. and He was really good about like keeping me more like focused. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. Pieces. And he was like, dude, it's not going to be the only good thing you ever write. You know, it's just the first thing, first good thing you ever wrote. So <laughs> keep writing and just know that this door is always open. And even if I say no, even if it's not for me, I'm not closing the door on you. And that's the type of people yes. that writers should look for. You know what yes. I mean? Because it's like you build the bond first. Like I didn't meet this guy knowing that he was going to become this great agent. I met this guy because, again, ironically, we bonded over football. He went to a big football school. I went to a big football school. My buddy who I knew from high school went to that school. We were rivals. We were at a we were at uh, oh shit with uh, Barney's Beanery watching mm-hmm. college football. I get met, I in, get introduced to this guy who's a low level intern at the point at that point, and I'm like, dude, I like you. Let's hang out. Let's get beers. And we became friends. And as he climbed the ladder, so did I. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, if I wanted to fire my current agent, I'd know that I had an open door at his because. I know that I could send him stuff. And that's the type of people that you need to be looking for. It's not the it's not the numbers, it's the quality. It's quality, not quantity. So make the relationships with people. Keep those relationships up. I think if you come out here looking for money and looking oh. to build a network and meet as many people as you possibly can to help you, you're going in with the wrong mentality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Go in knowing that like you want to make this place a home. You want to make this business a home. You want to make these people your friends. And that's so rare to find in LA. And that's why so many people turn tail and run after five, six years because they can't afford it. And they know that their yoga job isn't going to make them enough money to survive and raise kids. You know, that'd be the, the Uber job. Every time I get into an Uber, I always go, how's the script going? <laughs> I've actually done that a few times and they go, how'd you know? You know. 
are you a producer? I'm like, no, I'm not a producer. No, no, sorry. But I guarantee you, if they said, if you said that you were, they'd be like, oh, well, do you mind if I get your email address? It's like, that's not a relationship built on trust and integrity. That's a relationship built on wants and needs and unrealistic expectations. That's just a great, great. And that's a great way to put it. It really is. Because I always tell people like, if you, if you met someone at a party, you wouldn't just jam your script in their face. Yeah, you would meet them. You would introduce yourself if you're if you're a human, if you would introduce yourself and go, hey, how are you? And I always tell people you always ask them what you can do. What can I do for you? How can I be of service to you? And that's a great way to start a relationship and start building. It truly is. And, you know, and even like and so even outside of that, you know what I mean? Where it's like it's like, hey we have something on common ground to bond over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're excited about going to see crazy rich Asians. And so are you. It's like, dude, let's go together. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Let's go together. Let's okay. go talk. About, you know what I mean? Like build a relationship up from the ground, just like you would if you were moving to, you know, uh, Podunkville, wherever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how are you going to meet people? You know what I mean? You're going to get involved in the community. You're going to do things that the community likes to do. You're going to find common ground. And maybe I have a, a different perspective because I moved around a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I'd go, it's like when I was going to a new place, it was like sports. It was clubs. It mm-hmm. was, it was, you know, community, you know, meetings, whether it be churches or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's how our family integrated in the community. And you have to go out with the mentality of like, I'm going to integrate in the community first. And you're going to find that, like, if you go out there with genuine intentions to, like, meet people instead of meet people that are going to help you, the, the perspective is it may not seem like it, but the perspective is drastically different. And so are the results. A- you know? a- amen. Preach, sir. Preach. <laughs> Where are my candles? <laughs> now, as, as going back to being a script reader, mm-hmm. what is the biggest mistake you see screenwriters make? So every, I met a woman changed my life, mm-hmm. changed my perspective really on what it meant to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And granted at this point, I'd already sold two scripts, blah, blah, blah. I'd, you know, got my, my creative writing degree. I got my MFA in screenwriting. I got all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I went to the WGA and this woman, I'm not going to say her name. Mm-hmm. She was giving a talk there. Super successful. And she was like, you know, everybody around town is trying to come up with the next great idea when they should be coming up with the next great character. And that really spoke Ooh, volumes to me. That's, that's, that's deep, but yet simple. It's so simple, right? And it, it, it's like, I'm sitting there in the audience and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> and light bulbs going off and like, I'm getting tingly feelings in my feet and my toes. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, like she's so right. I mean, you think about it, like, like Mad Men, great, great, great show, yeah. but it's a great character. Breaking Bad, get, Breaking Bad, Sopranos. Walter White, yeah. Sopranos, like all of these great shows, all of the even movies, like, like look at um, Little Miss Sunshine. Olive is a great character. You know what I mean? That's filled with great characters. Um, uh, William Wallace in Braveheart. Braveheart wouldn't be Braveheart without that character. You know right. what I mean? And I think Indiana that, Jones, of course. Yeah, Indiana always. Jones, Indiana Jones, like it, 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 it complete and that's the that's the biggest thing that i feel like writers don't understand is that they're trying to write for the spectacle and not for the the character you know what i mean mm-hmm. and you can you can i mean i was about to say structure because they don't understand structure and 
And, and I think that's one of the most important things to learn, right? Mm-hmm. But really when you come down to it, when you approach the premise or the idea that your structure comes later, right? Mm-hmm. From simply from an idea standpoint, like if I don't care about your character or I don't know what they want or what they're after, you could have the most structured story in the world. It's not going to make sense because I need to know exactly who this character is. Motivations, right what their goals are, mm-hmm. why they're working towards it. And subconsciously, why do I give a shit? You know what I mean? And that, that I think is a lot of what, you know, a lot of these scripts that I cover don't seem to understand because I've given the note. I mean, I could probably give this note on every single script that I see coming in from a first time writer, which is decent story. It functions, but like, why do I care? You know, right. and I'm going to care when I care about the character, when you when you've created a good enough, well-rounded character. And I mean, that character could exist in a tentpole movie. It could exist in a micro budget, hundred thousand dollar film. I don't care. That note applies to every single budget and genre that there is. If you don't care about the characters, if they're not making. So I call it the cha-cha-chas of storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a character that is approached with challenges and then in the end, they change. You know what I mean? And it's like those three simple things, the cha-cha-cha, character, challenges, changes. If their script isn't built on those three simple things, it's, it's just not, I'm not going to care, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think crafting a really solid character with clear motivations and a clear flaw that we can both sympathize with and root for, that, that's when magic starts to happen. Structure it any way you want at that point, because at this point, I care about the character. I'll spend... 20 pages in their normal world because I'm interested. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, I, I mean, look, I mean, I watched, I watched the last Indiana Jones film purely because of Indiana Jones. Right. <laughs> the script was horrible. Right. And you make these good characters and it does, it creates its own franchise. You know yep. what I mean? Like if, you, if they call it, what is it? The Spielbergian way of crafting a character or introducing a character. Like mm-hmm. he does it so wonderfully. Oh, you know so what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and Paul Thomas Anderson, one of my, I mean, and I, I want to clarify, it's not that you have to like the main character. You no, have no, to no. be captivated by the main character. So, like, There Will Be Blood is a great example of that. <sighs> First seven minutes of that movie, it, it both, I mean, the script is a little less, right? And if you look at the final draft of the script, like, it's a little, it's different than what you see in the movie, but the premise of it is the same, right? Mm-hmm. It's this guy who is relentless. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And unbelievably motivated to get rich. You know what I mean? To the mm-hmm. point where he drags himself leg broken and all to go turn in the little chunk of silver that he has to start his takeover of the world. You right. I mean? Basically. Like, yeah. It, it, and I didn't like, I mean, I knew from like the instant that this guy was on screen. I was like, this guy is a maniac, but I can't take my eyes off of him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Daniel Day-Lewis did a great job, but even on the screen when you, or even in the script, when you read it on the page, it's like, this is a, such a well-crafted character. You know what I mean? And to know the transformation that I don't want to spoil it or anything to know what that person goes through throughout yep. the script. It's like, you don't have to like him to care about the movie. You know what I mean? To, and to care about what happens. So, right. Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. I mean, exactly. he's, he's a psychopath, but whether you like, you cannot take your eyes off of him or Jack Nicholson in The Departed. You just can't take your eyes off of him. <laughs> yep. I mean, and that and that to me is like when I enter into a script, like I get really excited when I read a shitty script with a fantastic character because like they're 
miles and miles ahead of somebody who's got a a good script with a bad character. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. Yes. Because the, I mean, you can sell a you can sell a bad script with a great character. You can't sell a decent script, a functional script with a bad character. It's just not going to happen. Right. I mean, I just actually just started watching The Americans for the first. Mm. If you guys seen that show, have you seen the show? Graham Yost is probably my favorite writer ever. Him and I really love Taylor Sheridan. I'm really into Taylor Sheridan right now, but like. Uh, but, but this, I mean, I just, we were literally in season one, my wife and I, cause it's the summer and we, you know, our shows haven't started yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is so well written. The characters are, yes. are so well crafted. You hate, you love, they go back and they go forth. I'm like, we're six, seven episodes in. I'm like, there's six seasons of this. I can't wait. Like, yeah. It's so well done when you, but, the, it, but it begins with character. It, it always began with character, at least with this show and with most of those shows that are great. It's always character. And you're right. You can, you, if you have a good character with a bad script, you could turn a bad script into a good script with some work. I can work with that. I can work with but that. But to create a good character is much, much more difficult. Like, so we just watched Justified. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, I'd seen it before. She had, again, great character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's say what you want about the show. I mean, I think it's a great show, but like, if you read Elmore Leonard's short story that it's based off of, that is all about character. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That, that translated well into the actual show. And obviously character is more, what do you say? Like it's put on a higher pedestal when you're watching a TV show because it's built on characters, right? Like the stories, whatever it's, you're not supposed to end it's, the stories in television are all about keeping it going. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. a film, like let's end it properly. You <laughs> right, know? right. Right. Um, so the reason we keep coming back, especially to like procedural shows like NCIS, for example, it's like we keep coming back because we love these Dinozos, these Zivas, these, you know, like we, yep. we just love these people. And it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty outstanding. And yeah, I, I, I get you. Character is not in my world. So. No, no, absolutely. Without, I mean, character and structure. I think those are those two. Those are the two things. Character start first, and then you got to get that structure. You have to have, you have to have a, a good, good, um, good clothes to put on the character, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and I and I actually made a mistake earlier. The Americans is not by Graham Yost, but no, it isn't. Isn't I forgot. It's, uh, it's Joe Weisman. Yes, yes, yes. But but they're very similar. You know yeah. what I mean? And especially in the way that they they portray their characters. And I uh, I feel bad that I messed that up. But it's it's, it's, it's all good. It's no one knows yeah. who you are, so it's fine. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Sorry, Graham. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, so in general, um, well, first of all, can you give us any tips? on what uh, that what would catch the attention of a script reader for that low level. I think we kind of touched on it, but is there any specific thing besides having a great character? So I, and I feel like a lot of it's just to make the reader's job easy. You know what I mean? So it's like in, and when you're reading a novel, like you can spend six pages describing the color of a lamp. You know what I mean? Yes. In a script, you just say the lamp is yellow. And if it doesn't matter to the scene that the lamp is yellow, then get it the F out of there. You know what I mean? It's like, so one of the first things that I'll see on page one, which is like, if it doesn't have to be there, it shouldn't be. And I can tell right away whether or not the reader or the writer is going to be showing us, um, is, is going to be showing us the thing, the, the information rather than telling us, mm-hmm. you know, and leaving enough room and acknowledging the fact that this is a, a collaborative endeavor. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't direct the scene. You shouldn't have, you know, close up here, like oh. really good scripts 
describe those moments in a way that they don't have to sit there and tell you that you're reading a script. You know Dolly, what I mean? Dolly shot in. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> take that out. You know what I mean? Like, and you can tell right away. So that would be one thing that I would say is like, don't direct the script. Don't direct the writers, understand formatting, grammar, spelling, take pride in your work and then do a good job of making us care about your character in the first three pages. You know what I mean? Or at least make it interesting enough or fascinating enough to where we can't take our eyes off the script. And there's a trick that uh, my manager actually taught me, which is if you, you know, it's not just about hooking them into the first couple pages, right? Mm -hmm. If you can hook them to the point where you leave something at the bottom of page nine that makes them turn to the page, top of page 10 and then leaving something at page, the bottom of page 10 that forces them to turn the page. It's super hard, right? But it, once you start getting into the final drafts of your script, like it should flow like that. You know what I mean? To where it's like they can't stop turning the page, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it's super, it's, it's very, very difficult to get on that microscopic level. But if you're submitting a script to a production company, you should have thought about those microscopic things. And it's very easy to tell when a writer has or hasn't as simply, you know, grammar, spelling, formatting. You know what I mean? So make sure that those are the, those are the things that right off the bat. And if you've got a 130 page script, like I hope it comes with a two page treatment or something like that because they're going to get <laughs> too long, did not read. Or unless, unless Tarantino's name is on it. You know? Sorry, what? Unless Tarantino's name is on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, Jonathan Nolan's Dark Knight was like, what, like 152 pages or something like that? But it's Jonathan Nolan and Chris that- Nolan and it's okay. <laughs> And and I get that a lot with new writers and they're like, uh, but so-and-so did it this way. It's like, yeah, but so-and-so so made a shitload of money in the last. And <laughs> so it's like, you're not, you're not so-and-so. Once you're you given, level, isn't it fair to say that you're given a lot of leeway in this business once you start making a lot of money? Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. You could do. And that's why I tell, I, I, I'll tell young writers too. It's like, go read scripts. Right. And it's like, but I'm going to tell you right now. Don't describe characters like they do. Don't format like they do. Don't do that kind of stuff because they've earned the right to misspell their character's name. They've earned the right to have formatting errors. You know what I mean? They've earned that right. Mm -hmm. So you haven't. So you have to play by those rules before you either A, are too lazy to break them Mm -hmm. or to care, or you are established enough to where you can break them and break them well, you know? So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing. It's like... Don't compare yourself to successful writers just yet. <laughs> oh, Please. God, I know. I get that all the time. Like, <laughs> I know. It's like, okay, good Lord. I also hate when people use the word we in script. And I know a lot of people do it, especially professional writers and, and especially writer-director types. It's just like it just reminds you that you're reading a script. You know what I like mean? When they say we see this basic, or we see that. Yeah, and at the very basic level, what you're trying to do is you're trying to absorb – the reader, especially a reader who doesn't really have a clue about screenwriting or storytelling, like you're supposed to absorb them into the story as much as possible. So your imprint on the script should be as minuscule and invisible as possible. And when you start bringing in we, we know you're a real person and we know this is written by somebody. It's not just a story that we're, you know, swimming around in. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a script. And I think if you can make like Brian Duffield does a really good job of making you forget that you're reading a script. Have you have you read any of his scripts? I have not read any of his scripts. Can you tell uh, the audience who he is and what he's done? Yeah, uh, he just had a movie come out called uh, The Babysitter. Okay. Uh, oh. On Netflix. Oh, yeah, the one by McG. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he has a, so Brian Duffield, I think somebody told me this. I don't 
quote me on it. Don't, don't, don't tell me if it's right or wrong. I don't even really want to know, but I like telling the story that he sold more spec scripts or had more, ten, he's one of the more successful spec writers over the last like five or 10 years. Um, I think Esther, he, I think Esther house has that, uh, yeah, <laughs> that credit. Right? Um, but it's like, it's like you read their script. It's, uh, 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 I, you can find it online. Go. I mean, in fact, I'm going to do it right now. Uh, <laughs> the babysitter. It's like, it's, it's, uh, okay, there it is. It's 93 pages. Mm-hmm. The first line is interior nurse's office day. Cole is 12 years old and losing his mind. That's the first line. Uh, that's a good way that's to start. So simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to overthink it. You don't have to over describe it. And I love Brian Duffield's writing because he lets the. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. He lets you make the picture in your own head, just as if like you're. I had a I had a a, a writer once tell me that what you're writing is actor bait. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so true, right? But it's also director bait. Yep. You know what I mean? So if if you're over describing your scenes, that just takes away from the creative side that a director can the, the creative imprint that a director could put onto this to, to the script, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like. The less you can tell, the more leeway you can give to those other creative elements that are brought on to make, to bring your script to life, like do it. You know what I mean? So like, I think less is always, 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 always more. And it's so difficult to like get that to come across to people because they're like, what, what does that mean? And it's like, if it doesn't absolutely have to be there, don't let it be there. And Duffield is so good at it. And he's, he's always properly formatting stuff and even though he's an established writer you can tell like he doesn't shortchange the other like two pages down there's another wonderful description cole is waiting for the school bus besides melanie another 12 year old also his neighbor also definitely not a potential love interest for cole so whoever told you that is an idiot and a liar and a loser and then it interrupts the conversation with her dialogue <laughs> so it's like it's like you're seeing it happen you know what i mean you right. it has a voice you know what i mean like I don't know. Like, I, go read Brian Duffield's scripts. He's a fantastic writer as well. Uh, okay. The guy deserves a lot more credit. Um, now, now, let me ask you also, can we please just put out there in the universe, people stop using 75 cent words in, script, in screenplays? Yes. Is, that, is, that a big, is that a big no-no? They want to prove to you that they have, a, they have a complete grasp of the English language and want to prove to you how smart they are by using words that no one has ever used in conversation you again it comes back to yes short answer to your question absolutely it it again comes out to knowing who's reading your script right Right. if you have to send a 19 year old out to go get a dictionary they're not gonna (laughs) push yet you know what i mean so it's like have you ever read the alien script yeah well yeah i love that script the walter hell walter hell's amazing interior engine room empty cavernous that's it (laughs) you know like straight up that's that's it like Jammed with instruments, all of them idle. Console chairs for two, empty. It's like, yes, that's what you need to be doing. Like, paint the picture, build it up. There's a... Uh, the, there's but, a the patina of the walls can be smelled. And like, no, no, <laughs> no dude, no. That, that's a there, book. There, that's a book. Exactly. That's a book. Know your medium. You know what I mean? And then like a lot of writers I see too, especially young writers. And I see a lot of this with writers who, and this always gets me, right? Where it's like on the title page, it'll say written by you know, John Stevens based on a book by John Stevens. And I, I immediately go into it and I'm like, oh God, this is going to be rough because Created that person by John from Stevens. a literary background, you know what I mean? A prose writing background. 
how is that going to translate? And sometimes I've been surprised. There have been a couple writers who have surprised me. Um, but for the vast majority, it's like, yikes. You know what I mean? Like you're basically copying and pasting certain elements of description from your book into the script format yeah. and dialogue, et cetera. Like there was one writer who, who I could tell was copying and pasting dialogue directly from like his Microsoft Word document into the final draft document because a lot of the dialogue, like he forgot to delete the quotation marks at parts. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, this is brutal. Or it would be like said eagerly. At the end of the dialogue? <laughs> dude, oh man, alive. And I'm like, okay, so the note that I'll say about that is like, if you can't see it on the screen, it shouldn't be in the script. And there, there are exceptions to that, especially when like describing a character, for instance, like sure, I feel like sure. you can do a little bit of editorializing in those moments to, to give a bigger shape to like who that person is, mm -hmm. you know, um, or like Shane Black had a really oh, good one where it was like, he's always really good at describing things. Right. But he also has a voice. And he, at this point he was Shane Black. So <laughs> he wrote something. I can't remember what it was. It was like, it was like, um, a huge penthouse, the type I'm going to own when this fucking movie sells. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. That. Yes. That is so like, Shane Black. Introduce yes. yourself. Like if you can, if you can inject yourself into the script in that way, uh -huh. that's different than what we were talking about earlier, which is like, it, it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, I have heard of, um, oh God, I've heard of a, a screenwriter. I've read screenplays that have that kind of stuff. Like they'll put a little note, like, and this is for the script reader and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like they'll, yeah. but, they, but they're at an established yeah. point. They're at an established point and they can play with the medium a little bit, but Shane Black is a perfect example. You read Lethal Weapon, you read yeah. uh, Kiss Me, was oh, it Gone, Gone, Kiss Me, Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. Uh, any of those, I'm dying to see Predator, I can't, the, the Predator. I, know, I, can't, right? I can't wait to see that. But he's amazing in the way he writes, you're like, okay, I get it. But he is that kind of writer. You're absolutely right. Yeah. He's like, the penthouse, he, like after I sell the exactly. script. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's got a voice, you know what I mean? He's got a voice that doesn't interfere with the story and in fact, it does the opposite where it's like, I want to see what else this guy's got to say shit. You know what I mean? Because if you have like, the balls, if you have the balls to do that. And again, I wouldn't suggest a no, first time I'm screenwriter. I'm not telling you to go out and write like Shane Black for sure. <laughs> you know it's I mean? been it's done. Like, it's been tried many times before and it failed. It's like when people try to look after Pulp Fiction came out. Forget everybody was trying to write Pulp chapters. Fiction. Everybody's writing chapters. Everybody was writing chapters. Everybody was trying to be. Yeah, that was that was that movie that came out of How to Die in Denver, what to do in Denver when you're dead. And there was like a bunch of ripoff Pulp Fiction movies right afterwards. Pulp Fiction. Of course. And now there's going to be a whole bunch of crazy rich Asian movies that are. But you can't write good. like Tarantino. No. I always tell people like you can't direct like Fincher. You can't direct like Nolan or, or Kubrick. Yep. Yep. You can be inspired. Yes, but, absolutely. But at the absolutely. end of the day, they're going to do them much better than you could ever do it. One of my one of my best friends is a very very talented writer, and he doesn't write he does write scripts, but he mostly writes prose. Um, uh, published the works, you know what I mean. And he he was like when I first started out writing, he was like I was trying to be, I would read a book by somebody that would really impress me, and then I would go and try to write like them. And he was like it took me years to get something published because I wasn't writing for who I am or what I want to say. I was writing what I thought people wanted to read, and I think that that. Yes. You know what I mean? It goes back to like, don't, don't think that you are 
submitting writing that somebody else absolutely wants to read. Like don't go, don't approach it like that approach. If you're starting from that place, you're already making mistakes. You know what I mean? Uh, And it's going to take a long, long time to figure out that you're making mistakes. And hopefully like you have a really stable job at Starbucks because you're going to need it, you know? (laughs) No. And and, and that advice goes exactly for directors as well. Cause I, I mean, I'd made those mistakes. I, I have my Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino film that mm-hmm. I, tr- I try to make that look just like theirs and try to mm-hmm. and show everybody how, hey, look how cool I am. And it didn't work out because I yep. wasn't using my own voice. I wasn't, yep. I didn't yep. find, I didn't, who, I didn't know who I was just yet. Uh, and I know that sounds pretentious as fuck, <laughs> but it's true. It doesn't though. It doesn't because it makes so much sense for those, for those of us out there who actually did that, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, who tried to write like the people that inspired us only to find out like, like, okay, maybe certain elements of them work for me, but I'm not going to be successful until I find my own. And it, 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 hey, writers out there, uh, it's going to take you years to figure that out. Years. And the only way to do it is to keep writing. And for you directors, the only way to do it is to keep directing the garbage so that you can figure out what you like to do. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can figure out your inner Spielberg without having Spielberg attached to it. You know what I mean? I mean, JJ, JJ Abrams, who is as probably close to Spielberg, Spielberg as we have. Yeah. Yep, today yep. but a jj movie is a jj movie yep there's yep. no question i mean you could smell the, the, the you can smell even when he did super eight which i was, was just gonna say super eight was like a homage it was spielberg. literally it was like if spielberg was reincarnated yep but it still had his Imprint. flavor it, yep. absolutely it was not a ripoff uh, it yep. was not a ripoff at all. So that's why those movies are successful. Now, before uh, before we finish, because I mean, we could talk for hours. I can say I, can I know. Say. Right. Um, and I appreciate it's your time. There. I appreciate your time. Deep throat. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I give you some nuggets. Uh, you know, like, you've dropped a lot of stuff. I mean, honestly, this this podcast, I'm going to recommend anytime I meet a screenwriter, I'm like, you're going to need to listen to deep throat screenwriting about the podcast. No, no, it's no, it's because you're showing you you have given. I mean, a lot of the stuff I, I knew from being in the business, but you don't talk about it. But mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't have your perspective because you're, you've walked, you walked in places I haven't walked. So yeah. it's fascinating to see the inside story about other things that I didn't have access, I, I didn't know about. And it's the truth. And you are completely liberated to say whatever the hell you want to say. I, I know. When you, when you told me we were just going to do it anonymous, I was like, that completely changes my approach right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so sweet because it's like, now I get to actually talk about the stuff that matters. You know what I mean? Like right. I get to tell these young writers or even established writers who are kind of hitting like a lull. You know what I mean? Because that happens too. Um, <laughs> happens to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's super important to just understand and be reminded of what you're up against. You know what I mean? And, and we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And knowing that it's a fluid process, you know what I mean? Like the, and the, another thing to keep in mind too, is like the turnover at these places is oh, insane. God is insane. So like you could submit a draft to an assistant who doesn't put it up, but then that assistant could go on to work at another company who then it, it does work or the new assistant is hired and you can resubmit to that person. But right. you have to have that inside knowledge of like, okay, the turnover's happening. Like, or, or, you know, who, what was it like? Um, what, oh, shit. Uh, legendary, legendary, like mm-hmm. revamp their entire executives. You know what I mean? I had a script in there that they had passed on. And I didn't even get an acknowledgement of 
mm-hmm. the first time around. They had the turnover. My agents resubmitted it and they were like, oh, let's get a meeting. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> okay, so like the new regime is willing to meet me, but the old regime thinks I'm garbage. It's so, a lot of, it's a lot of so much politicking and it is. And, and it's it just, a, it's, it's a, it's a game of, 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 uh, hu- it's a human game of, yeah. of personalities and, and, and psychology, psychology. It's, it's, it's so more complex than what people think it is. Like, oh, you just admit it to a company and, and oh, if it doesn't get in, you don't get in. No, this is a game. It's chess, basically. Yep. Yep. And and I think there are certain ways, and we talked about this already, there are certain ways to go about it that make you seem more genuine. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you can find, if you're more genuine, you're going to be, you're going to find people that are more genuine and then you don't have to worry about anything else. You know what I mean? Those doors are going to be open for you. You can write a script that isn't that great, but like the genuine nature of that relationship is going to leave that door open. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what I feel like a lot of writers are going to be surprised, I think, to hear mm-hmm. because, because I think even when I was coming up, I was told by people that it's like, you have one shot with these people. And while there's a lot of truth to that. There's also the truth that's like, yes, with the people that you don't know, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. But a lot of what you need to do when you come out here and you should come out here is like, just go out and meet people and be genuine, like be yourself. Don't be, oh, I'm the aspiring writer and but I'm going to the- go around and like tell myself that like I'm the writer that's going to be the next big thing. It's like, no, dude, go talk to somebody about your fantasy football team. That's what's going to get you in the door. You know what the funny thing is, though, when you say that. You have to remember that it is so difficult to be yourself at every stage of growth in your life. That's true. And only because, you know, both you and I are in similar vintages as as far as age is concerned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We take it for granted now because I I don't I just I am who I am. And if you don't like it, go F yourself. I I just don't care. Yeah, Um, exactly. But it took 20 years to get to this place in my life. And a, lot, and a lot of it was the last, what, 10, 15? Oh, I'm going to say the last. You to go through all of that to figure out that, oh, okay, this is how it's done. You know yeah. what I mean? And then, like, this and is the, who I am. And then the second I decided to finally just be myself, all the doors swung open. Yep. Everything, Everything starts, starts clicking. Everything starts clicking the second you are yourself and you're comfortable within your own skin, which is, has less to do with the craft of screenwriting and more about your own personal development. But it is part of the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because one of my best friends, successful writer, really, I mean, dude, this kid's got talent out the ass, right? Like he's such a talented writer, has, has like a stack of scripts that I think anybody would love to buy. Right. (laughs) But he can't sell them for the life of him because he is not personable. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like he's great at making mm-hmm. his characters personal, but you put him into a pitch room and dude, the guy just shuts down. Like he's like the most dry person to like, I mean, if you could, if you could like split a bottle of whiskey over a pitch meeting, like he would be good to go. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I, and I feel so bad for him because like, honestly, he's brought me into his pitch meetings being like, dude, I will put your name on the script if you help me pitch it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's just like I, it, a lot of it has to do with like putting yourself out there and confidence level. And like those are all things that like are ancillary. You know what I mean? Sure. To writing. It, it, it's all you're all safe and sound when you're in your dark room and you're typing in, in the glow of your computer and everything like that's all great. Right. But the true reality is, is that. This is a human business, yes. you know, it's and you have to make human connections with people and to <laughs> and you can't be a robot trying to sell your script. And 
and realize too that when you go out and meet these people at the bars, they're used to people being like, oh, this person only wants to talk to me because they know I can help them get something. Right. Right. We could talk for I'm hours about, about this for hours. Yeah. Um, now I just kind of like more question. I, I, <laughs> I feel like no, I do have, I have one more question because we were talking about this before we started recording and I said, shh, shh, don't, stop, stop. I want, I want to put oh, this okay. in. You have done rewrites on some major studio tentpole things that, uh, and, and, and I want you just to give a little bit of a glimpse behind the scenes of those studio movies, those writers, uh, that first draft, that final draft conversation yeah. we had. Sure, sure. So a lot, <laughs> and you'll see this a lot when you work in development, right? Where it's like, we'll have acquired the script. It's from a talented writer. You get the first draft of it. It's absolute trash. You know what I mean? And I think. But why did they I buy it? But why did they buy it? Is it because of the concept? They, they, yeah. They, I mean, sometimes it's open assignment, right? So it's like the production company itself will be like, we want a movie that is about um, a guy that finds a girl in the trunk of his rental car. Uh, and that's the premise of the movie. That's all we've got. Come and pitch us on your take on that. Right. And then. And it'll bring in like four or five writers and one of them will be hired to write the script because they came in and they did a good pitch. You know what I mean? Like that's that's one way. And then they go out and they rush through the draft because they have a deadline of like three weeks. And I guarantee you they didn't start it until four, four days before because that's what we do, you know? And <laughs> right. and then it's like, then, they, then who reads the first draft? It's like, first it's the development assistant. Let's get your take on it. How does the story function? We've trained you to do this. We understand that you have good notes. Like you read it first while I read it. And then if you have a really cool boss, like we'll compare, you know what I mean? Um, the other, the other side of the coin is like, uh, okay, we've hired this writer or we bought this script hoping that this guy would like, or this girl would be able to rewrite it. You know, we paid them for a rewrite, you know, but realize that the WGA standards have certain fees for rewriting and in the contract, you're guaranteed certain aspects. And the reality is, is if like, if you don't deliver in that amount of time, they own the property so they can go out and they, or they've optioned the property so they can go out and hire their own writers to rewrite your stuff per the WGA standard. If that writer then changes more than 50% of the script or something like that. And I don't know the rules. I'm sure there's probably somebody out there that's like, that's not entirely true. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but the like, concept you is, yeah. significant changes to the actual piece of property that was optioned or acquired then your name gets put on as like a, you know, whatever. And most of my rewrites have been about like, you know, restructuring story or punching up jokes or something like that. Right. Where it's like, I'll do a pass that's purely comedy based where it's like, okay, we've got the story now, but we're struggling to find the areas of comedy. Like we need to bring in somebody who's not as close to us to see where those opportunities lie, you know? So that's when they bring in a sort of an outside resource like myself or like many, many other people out there who make a living off of rewriting as opposed to selling their own stuff sometimes mm -hmm. in the lulls, right? So it's like you go in and you'll punch up like a good bit of the jokes or maybe like change the perspective of one character's voice and it ends up working out and then it goes to script and you get to nudge your girlfriend or your wife and be like, hey, I, that, that one was mine. Look, everybody's laughing at it. And, you know, and it's, it's super <laughs> fun and you get to, you know, you get to buy, you get to you know, make your car payments for a little while and buy a nice steak dinner. And that's about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, um, if you're Aaron Sorkin, you're brought on to do a dialogue punch up and you make half a million dollars. I'm not Aaron Sorkin. So I don't get that kind of <laughs> rewrite. Right. But at the same time, it's like, you see a wide variety of quality 
a wide uh, quality of scripts, right? So like if you're brought in to rewrite a second draft that the writer, you know, was hired to write their idea, it didn't pan out, they've got two cracks at it. And now this is this is you're bringing on somebody else. You know what I mean? Like sometimes those scripts are are painful to read. A lot of it, I think, is because and I, and I think I speak for a lot of writers that get to the level of where they're being called into these meetings. It's like or pitching for open assignments. It's like a lot of writers actually hate the physical act of writing. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's they brutal love to tell stories. They love to craft characters. But like to sit down and actually do the work is like excruciating sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when it's somebody else's idea and not your own. You have to sometimes find the passion. And it happens a lot on TV shows, a lot on TV shows, because you're all hired to write something that somebody else created. And especially if it's an early season, it's like you're trying to figure out what the show is. And people bring in stuff that you know, they're given a week, right? Like you, you go off the script and you come back and it's like one week later. And it's like, now nah, we have to spend the next month punching the script up as a group. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. And to the, the level of quality that you see from like these professional writers with big names submit these drafts. And when you're brought in as a rewriter to do it, the quality is variable. Sometimes it's a really great script and you're like, God, I can't believe that they weren't, that they weren't on board with this. Like, this is a great take. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But again, you got to think about their mandate, where they're going, where they want to go, what they expect to see, who maybe they have somebody attached who doesn't like it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of auxiliary issues that could be there. Whereas if you're just brought on to the scripting phase with no attachments, and this is just an open assignment that they wanted and you come in and it's like, you can tell that this writer put together a pitch like 48 hours before they got the meeting. And it's like, okay, uh, you can tell that in the script because they didn't really have, they may have had the hour long pitch thought out, but they didn't have the, the actual story fleshed out. And now (laughs) that they were given like, you know, two or three months or six months or 30 days, whatever it was to write the script, you can tell that it suffered. You know what I mean? Because it's even hard for us professional writers to go in and be like, okay, I completely understand what this is. Like it's a process for us too, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that again, a lot of these young writers probably don't understand that that's the case. They're like, Oh, I'm going to sell my script to this production company and it's going to go straight to principal photography and it's going to go straight to theaters. It's going to have my name on it. And it's the, it's going to be exactly how I did it. And you have to be out of your mind. If you think that's going to be exactly how it works, like you're going to sell the script. You may, if you're lucky, get a crack at the rewrite. If not, they're going to bring in somebody who is an Aaron Sorkin or is an X, Y, Z, you know, that they can afford and that fits with the genre or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're, going to do the punch ups. If they rewrite more than you, they're going to be the ones that get the credit. You may be lucky enough to get a producer credit or a story by if it's in your contract, if you had a good manager, an agent, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, you may go to the theater to watch the movie that you set out to write and it be completely different than your pitch that actually got you the job in the first place. That's how it works. It's like, it's like when you make a product for, it's like Apple updates. Like you get a new Apple update every three days. You know what I mean? Like they're Apple updating scripts every three days. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that as rewriters, as writers in general, like understanding that that's the name of the game is, is critical. And I've seen, (laughs) I've seen some, um, I've seen, let's say this, I've, I've seen some scripts that will never ever see the light of day because they were good. And I've seen really bad scripts get made because, of those auxiliary factors. You know right. what I mean? An actor gets a, an actor wants to do it. That's the end yeah. of it. Yep. Yep. 
whether or not the original writer who pitched it is good. And, you know, and a lot of it's done in house. If you get hired by a management slash production company, they have a, a team of writers and a team of directors and a team of actors. Like they have all of that stuff in house so that they can go and then package it and then sell it. You know what I mean? Right. As a package, which is a lot of how movies get sold these days, you know, at the big, the like, big studio stuff. Yeah. Without question. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like if you if you have a shitty draft that Matt Damon is like, yeah, I'll do that movie. That sounds like a cool movie. I'll do it. Like, let me read the script. And then you get like an attachment letter and there's a big PR release and like the variety and all this stuff. Matt Damon signs on to blah, blah, blah. That movie could never get made. Sure. But it's going to end up in the trades because they want to generate buzz and they want to keep the momentum flowing. But honestly, it all it all comes back to. Is the script going to function? Is the script going to be good? Is this going to be ready? You can have all the elements attached in the world. And even then, Guillermo del Toro will tell you, it's not, doesn't mean it's going to, or Terry Gilliam, I mean, is going to be like, okay, I've had, what is it? Um, Don Quixote and oh. <laughs> for 25 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it just, that's it, what happens. It's, it's exactly what happens. Um, all right, man, you've been so freaking amazing uh deep throat that um it's throat. deep throat that uh you've dropped some major bombs on knowledge bombs on on the on the tribe man so thank you so much i have a few questions i ask all of my guests so okay. uh, it's kind of rapid fire um what advice would you give a screenwriter wanting to break into the business today cross your fingers <laughs> it's <laughs> very very uplifting it's extremely uplifting <laughs> sir thank you um can you tell me what book had the biggest impact on your life or career harry potter okay what is the lesson that took you the longest to learn whether in the film industry or in life um it's a great question uh i would say being genuine and, and, and owning who I am as opposed to what I think other people want me to be. Oh, God, that's a great lesson to learn. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it applies to both business and life, man. Ab absolutely. Now, what are three of your favorite films of all time? Three of my favorite films of all time. Uh, okay. Off the top of my head, I would say Braveheart. Okay. Excellent film. Uh, the movie Network. Another amazing. Both very well written. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And and uh, Lord of War. I love Lord of War. Really, you like Lord I want, of War? I know. I, I wanted to throw you a curveball, something that like maybe wasn't you know really Lord stock, of War. But I love that movie. I mean, the, say what you want about the story and the writing, and my wife hates the ending. Um, <laughs> but like, I love that movie so much. I love how it starts. I love how it finishes. I love the character. I like can't take my eyes off of him. I love the midpoint reversal. Well, the best part of that movie. Like, for, I love that stuff. For me, the best part of that movie was the opening title sequence. <laughs> oh, right? I, I mean, that's, love I mean, that opening title sequence. It, it's so good. And it's like, uh, for those, I'm not going to ruin anything for those who haven't seen it. No spoiler alerts here, right? Because uh -huh. go out and watch it. I think it's awesome. And say what you want about the writing and say what you want about the characters. Like, that movie kept me entertained. I, I cared about whether or not. And I love, like, movies where it's like there's an anti-hero. You know what I mean? Like, I root, I'm rooting for the guy who's the bad guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love that. And that was, like, one of the first times where... I, and I could have said The Matrix, and I could have said Jurassic Park, and I, I mean, the first Shawshank. movie I ever watched in my real life, right. in, my, in my life, first movie I ever saw was Land Before Time. Genius film. My, my, my mom took me, it was the first movie I ever saw in the theater, and I was, like, blown away. I was like, oh my god, movies are great, and I've been obsessed ever since. And, uh, yeah, Harry Potter was what convinced me that 
I wanted to write. Matrix changed my entire perspective of the world and of filmmaking. Yes. And but my favorite movies are Braveheart, Network, and uh, Lord of War because I wanted to put something in that you probably haven't heard before. That's never been on the show on any of of my podcasts. It's never been on the show. So you like. At this point, they're probably going to be like, I wasted an hour and a half listening to this dude and his favorite movie is Lord of War. <laughs> this guy knows nothing. <laughs> but then again, because we don't know who, who you are, it doesn't matter. So you could be free. Maybe, with I, you. maybe I wrote Lord of War. No, maybe you did. You don't know. I did. I, did. <laughs> I definitely did. It was Andrew Nichol, I think. Yes, it was. It was. Now, the um, – the uh, this is the part of the show where I generally ask where we can find you, but you will now go back into the into the darkness of the uh, the, parking, the parking the parking. Maybe maybe in a future episode you can drop my name as being like, oh, if you guys are looking for somebody who can help you uh, develop your script, you know, check this guy out, and we it'll just never know who it was. <laughs> Maybe we could do something like that if you like. <laughs> but now you can go back into the shadows of the parking garage, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Thank you, man, so yeah, much for being so candid. And uh, and really, I think I think we helped, hopefully helped a lot of people listening because there was some great, great practical industry advice in this without question. And and you didn't expose yourself too much, sir. No, I mean, we only had to, we only had to edit out one part. So. Just one part. That's it. <laughs> Thanks again, man. So just a little seed there for the, the people listening to be like, oh, I wonder what that was. <laughs> exactly. Thank Crazy you. Deep, thank you for your Thanks, time. Man, I deep it. <laughs> Thanks for having me. As promised, Deep Throat brought the mega knowledge bombs this episode. And I want to thank Deep Throat for coming on and just being so candid and sharing so much about his experience, his uh, behind the scenes point of view of being a script reader, being a development executive, and all the juicy, juicy details and morsels that he gave us in this episode. I really hope you guys got something out of it. I know I did. Uh, There's a ton of stuff that I had no idea about, and I'm really, really grateful that he was able to come on and share his knowledge with you guys. So this is a point of the episode where I say, if you want to go to the show notes and get links to everything we talked about, just head over to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash BPS024. But there will be no links to him <laughs> because obviously he is deep throat. He is now back living in a parking garage somewhere in the shadows, reading a script or writing one, I'm sure. Now, if you want to get Deep Throat to actually read one of your scripts, you can submit your screenplays to the Bulletproof Script Coverage Service at covermyscreenplay.com. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash 647. Thank you again so much for listening, guys. As always, keep that hustle going. Keep that dream alive. Stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Indie Film Hustle podcast at IndieFilmHustle.com. That's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-H-U-S-T-L-E.com.